So Vitz is designing some of the like consensus elements, some of the scoring elements, and is now just metagaming our own mock draft situation. Excellent. Hello, welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. This is our mock draft edition, so we're going to tell you who's going to be picked where, why, and we're definitely going to get it completely correct. Say, so, hey, we got Connor here, we got Ronan. Hello. And we've got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? Uh, geez, it's been a long time since we were talking. <laughs> <laughs> I've got so much news, I just cancel the rest of the pod, we can just talk about all the stuff we did. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> yeah, we're back to back in this, we decided to split this out to a separate one, so if people are less interested, people are more interested in the mock, or more interested in like, kind of our overview of the players, and also so that you just didn't have like a two and a half hour long podcast landing on, onto your smartphone, because I find that length of thing is a little bit daunting at times. So, in the last hour and a half of recording, has there been any breaking news that we want to talk about <laughs> allow me to explain our mock draft magic machine yes um, i think i think i think ob- people need to know that so go for it so obviously the the core of our mock draft will be me connor and sean all giving our one to 32 picks for all of the things i believe we haven't put any trades in this year so we'll just assume this is a no trade mock draft effectively you might be wondering then okay that's fine what else are you gonna do well because I'm insane, I every year create the consensus mock draft, which combines all of our genius into one super draft. And to do this, I create uh, a kind of tiebreaker. Usually this is Daniel Jeremiah, but he's actually been pretty late on creating his last mock draft and it's way out of date. So I went to the um, consensus mock draft website and took the last month uh, where the best players are available per position who get the highest percentage across all of the mock drafts that they track, which I think is over 200 or 300 or something like that. So a lot of, a lot of people and then effectively our score for who goes into our consensus machine driven draft is such that if obviously if two out of three or three out of three of us agree on someone obviously they get picked by our consensus machine if we all disagree but the consensus mock draft we took from the website um, agrees with one of us we end up picking that, that player and if that doesn't happen it gets a little bit more complicated but basically if <laughs> We, we take the positions that were picked by each of us as kind of the needs for that team and then pick the best player available who is at one of those positions. And if, even if that doesn't work, we then use Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 prospects uh, to take the best player available. Thankfully, that last step wasn't required this year. I think we only uh, have five players who we needed to go all the way to best player available based on needs uh, suggestion. And so what we'll do after the draft is, is I'll take all of these players, I'll compare against how we did against the, the actual draft and our consensus machine as well, and we'll have the scores after that, and we'll see who was the winner this year of the mock draft tournament. I believe I'm the reigning champion right now, but it's basically completely random in terms of who wins per year. But uh, th- this year is particularly random because, as we mentioned in our uh, previous podcast, there aren't really that many clear guys, not can't-miss guys. So even the top of the draft could very much go off track very, very quickly. But yeah, I'm excited to see how uh, we feel about these guys as we go through uh, our respective choices for each team. Yeah, it's remarkable to us. We have, we have seven ones that we are kind of consensus on, isn't it? So that's yeah. that's not too bad. Uh, but what, what, what I find very odd is that some of them are quite far down the draft. So we've all just like, we're, we're all in lockstep on what's going to happen at 26 to the Titans and stuff, which seems 
this seems an unusual one, but as I said, yeah, there's going to be a lot of moving pieces up around here, so we'll we'll see. So I suppose we'll, we'll just kick straight into it. Okay, so let's kick off. Picking first, we have the Jaguars. God, they're back here again. Seems like it doesn't always get better. I think we are just unanimous across the board here. We're giving them Aiden Hutchinson, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I, I think almost all of the mock drafts I've seen anyway, very, almost everyone is Aiden Hutchinson. And as I said in the, the previous pod he's got the leadership qualities i think the jags need him as much as you know he he needs jags i, I don't think, think he needs the jags <laughs> okay well, they need him they if they don't draft him i think it's a mistake obviously as, as fitz was saying there's other names that have been popping up Thibodeau, walker etc are moving up the draft even sauce gardner if you're feeling a bit cheeky but uh, i think as someone to build your defense around he is the perfect player that the jags need I think you know projecting Sauce Gardner would be saucy uh, rather than cheeky, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> overall, like I think there's a lot of noise because the mock drafters have to create coverage and put Trayvon Walker in there, and you get like a bit of pop. But I, I like as I said in the last podcast, oftentimes that's just because like teams are sending out the maximum amount of misinformation right now. Mock drafters have an incentive to be controversial, but Aiden Hutchinson was the you know almost universal number one overall pick across the vast majority of draft mock drafts until about um, maybe a week ago and I think he will probably get picked there and as I said if he doesn't get picked number one overall he will almost definitely go to the Lions yeah. and there's even there's even some people saying that the Lions might throw them like a, a third rounder to just like guarantee that and, and trade up to the number one overall pick because given there's no quarterback involved the, the value for trading up yeah. which would traditionally be quite high might not be as high this year. Yeah, so that's the unanimous edge for them. Uh, next up, we have the Lions picking at number two. There's a lot of needs on that team, but we've all gone for edge. We've just got a little bit of a disagreement on which one. As we said, there's you know pros and cons to a lump of these guys. I've gone for Trayvon Walker. Ronan's gone for Trayvon Walker, and Sean's gone for uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. So, yeah, we're relatively in lockstep here on what the Lions are looking to do here. And as you said, if Aiden Hutchinson isn't taken by the Jags, Aiden Hutchinson is going here. I like the selection of Trayvon Walker. I understand entirely, Sean, the upside of, of, of Kayvon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I it, in my head, it's a rolling of the dice. I mean, the Lions. It's a choice of do you pick someone whose floor is a little bit higher, or do you pick someone whose ceiling is a little bit higher? And I don't know. I just I don't know why I think the Lions are going to gamble, but I, I just I just have a feeling that they might just roll the dice and try and get the guy with the bigger upside. Sauce Gardner, obviously, some people really love him, and they're moving up. He's moving up fast, but because they drafted Jeff Akuda only a few years ago, albeit under a different regime, I think an edge player would make sense. Like they 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 cut Trey, like Trey Flowers a few weeks ago, so. Yeah, there's definitely a need there for that team. Yeah, and I think it goes with it goes with the head coach and it goes with where they want to build out from, so it makes sense. Next up is the Texans. Again, lots, lots of different needs that they have here. We've decided to address very different needs, so I have them taking Kevin Tribodeau, looking at the upside and needing kind of a bit of a name piece to, to, to put in there. Ronan, you have them going for Sauce Gardner at cornerback, and Sean, you have the first tackle off the board. You've got them taking Evan Neal. I can see arguments for most of these. The only question i'd have with the tackle call would be don't they have the mr bong head but if they, yeah if they're if they're protecting davis mill their franchise quarterback then you can <laughs> lineman, right? i mean I, I see it more as a long-term thing and maybe i mean maybe the texans don't think that long term but i i think he's it is it's it's you've got a young quarterback who's got a lot of potential and you want to see how he's going to develop maybe you give him a guy who you know he's going to work with for the next five or six years that they can develop some kind of relationship 
someone who, who would be always there to protect him. Obviously, the Texans have needs all over the place, so they can't they can't really screw up this pick. Anyone they pick at this point is going to be there. I just had a feeling, you know, young QB, give him, a, give him an offensive lineman. It kind of seems a thing to do. But maybe the Texans aren't that advanced in thinking and they think they may have already solved that. It would, it would be a nice building block to have two kind of proper top end tackles in place and just kind of bookend a, a line and kind of build from there it is it's a it's a very old school approach to building and i do know that they've got some old school voices in the leadership in there so it would actually i suppose that could make quite a lot of sense well, i like i presume was evan neal playing left or right college? well he, he he played a left tackle but as i said he's played across the entire offensive line in, yeah in, in time in alabama so as i said he's probably the safest defensive lineman prospect because he will find somewhere to play like he could be an elite guard if he doesn't work out a tackle but but, you know, it, it kind of comes down to, like, how much influence you think Lovey Smith has over this, because he's obviously there for, you know, uh, he's there for a good time, not a long time, per se. So I could definitely see him banging the table to get an elite defensive, like, talent like Kevin Thibodeau or Sauce Gardner into the building. That's why I picked Sauce Gardner, because I'm going to just pretend that Lovey Smith actually has some influence over there. But, you know, if they are if they are playing for the long term and building, like, seeing if what they have in Davis Mill, then Evan Neal, I think, is a perfectly cromulent pick, and I think it's such a <laughs> Census machine has kicked out since the consensus mock drafts agrees with Sean that Evan Neal will be the pick for the Texans. Yeah, so like we said, kind of it's hard for them to go wrong at that spot with the talent that's available. Number four, we have the Jets up for their first pick of the first round. I have them taking Sauce Gardner because he makes it that far. We have Kevin Thibodeau to them for you, Ronan, and you have uh, Derek Stingley Jr., Sean, going to them there uh, at the cornerback position as well. So yeah, like we're kind of looking on the defensive side. We know Sal is there and he's going to want to add some pieces in. If Sauce Gardner's there, he's establishing peace. Stingley is a huge upside. Kevin Thibodeau, as we said, is a huge upside guy. This is a defensive-minded coach who's had success, who's coached guys up. So he's going to see all these as being people he can use and people he can utilize very well. So I, I just I, I don't see them not going defensive side of the ball here at all. I think it's important to, to keep in note they also have the 10 picks. So they've got two very high picks. So I can almost see them working in tandem and Salah being, here's how I build my defense around these two draft picks, which is actually the reason I, I have Hamilton going number 10 to the Jets as well. Because I think... Those are the, the kind of two fundamental building blocks. You can kind of, you can, don't have to worry about your secondary ever again. You bring in Stingley and Hamilton. And like, look, I think cornerback makes complete sense. Like if Sauce Gardner had dropped the four in my mock draft, I probably would have given them to the Jets as well. They did sign DJ Reed, but behind him, it's still like absolutely mm. nothing guys like Ash, like uh, Bryce Hall and Michael Carter the second, uh, the not fun one, the running back is the fun one. Like I think they will definitely go defense. They will lock that up because I think they've invested a lot of effort in the draft last year into the offense. So I think, yeah, I think uh, Robert Saleh, he's, he's sick of waiting around. He wants some exciting guys at the top of this draft for his defense. Yeah, the Seahawks can start the, uh, the long arduous process of starting to gather up number one picks for three years time so they can trade for Sauce Gardner then and give him his bank afterwards. <laughs> they, uh, they are wanted do with the Jets. Excellent. Uh, number five is the Giants who uh, have needs all over but they've decided and we've got consensus across the board on this one. Uh, we're going offensive tackle and we're going Iki Ikuanu. This is a team that could definitely go in pretty much any direction including potentially quarterback. I don't think that's likely. I think they're willing to put Daniel Jones out there one more time. But... I think offensive linemen, they've invested a lot of effort into it in recent years and it hasn't really worked out. Andrew Thomas did come on in the second year, so it, it's potentially that uh, Iki Kwan would be playing right tackle for them. But I think it's just a team where 
they're already paying a shit ton of money for wide receiver, even if they haven't got that much production out of it. So don't be afraid that they go for wide receiver. But their offensive line was a mess last year. So I think if you want to build around Daniel Jones and give him one more chance, it would make sense to go in this direction, in my opinion. So this is all about the Daniel Jones choice. And you got to give him something. So why not give him an elite left tackle or an elite tackle to pair with Andrew Thomas and see what you can do in uh, the final year of the experiment? Makes perfect sense. Like whether they have what they need in their quarterback or not, this is a piece that can then be building block for the replacement that might be coming next year. Up at sixty, the Panthers, and what's that? It's the first quarterback off the board. Consensus pick across us all. Kenny Pickett going to the Panthers. When when I did this, I thought I was being edgy. I was like, oh, the Panthers taking Pickett number six. That no one no one else will think of that. Now everyone else has picked that as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, obviously, the Panthers have huge needs at quarterback. I mean, they they you cannot start start Sam Darnold. I mean, it just is not a thing that can happen. Pickett is reliable. You know, you could you could build a system around him. He's also boring, and that kind of fits yeah. the Panthers, to be honest. I also think it's interesting that if Pickett does go at number six, it could start a bit of a QB rush because there are a number of teams looking for QBs and there aren't that many talents out there. If, for example, the Panthers go six, you could see someone like the Steelers trying to move up to seven or eight to maybe get ahead mm-hmm. of the Seahawks to make sure they can get the second QB or whatever. The way I've done it, nobody moves up and, and it ends up being a bit of a QB rush. The four teams take a QB in round one, which which honestly probably won't happen. But I do think if the Panthers take Pickett, it, it is going to change the dynamics of the draft considerably because that will make the, what the remaining QBs very hot properties in terms of their of the rareness of the quality there. There's all kinds of little breadcrumbs that link Kenny Pickett to the Panthers organization. Um, I think he originally uh, was going to go to Temple University where Matt Rule was the head coach and Matt Rule's obviously a coach who if he doesn't do something this year, he's likely to get fired. But also the owner, David Tepper, is a Pittsburgh native. And of course, young Kenny Pickett was a star, a record breaker for the Pittsburgh college team. So all the things aligned that Kenny Pickett, even if he's not really worth the, the sixth overall pick, mm. will end up going here because it's a team, as Sean says, cannot start Sam Darnold. The coach can't afford it. The owner is sick of it. So th- uh, yeah, I'd be surprised if they didn't pick a quarterback, let's be honest. Got now the Giants' second pick that they got from, uh, is it Chicago they got this one from, I think? So you guys have gotten them double dipping here, which is interesting. So you have them you have them going for offensive tackle Evan Neal, Ronan, and you have them going for offensive tackle Charles Cross, Sean. So you're kind of getting two tackles to them so they're just rebuilding that line entirely i've gone defensive side of the ball i have them going with devon lloyd and starting to put some pieces together for the defense as well because i think this is a giants team that are already out on their current offense are not expecting to fix it in a year and are not expecting to be overly competitive this year so they're going to try and get some pieces like the tackle like the linebacker who might be able to be the leader on that defense for them and so on so that they can then have those pieces in place for when they bring in someone next year but equally i think two tackles is a very good strong base for them to to, to kick off from it's a declaration of intent if you, if you go for two tackles so, um, you- you're very clear this is what we're doing we're building this this unit now around Joe. Yeah, and Evan Neal has scheme flexibility. Yeah, unfortunately, the, the all these players are kind of either gone or whatever, like in the, the mock draft stuff. So the machine spitted out Kevin Thibodeau for them. So they'll have yeah. to deal with that, I suppose. I suppose we've, we've already had him gone so much earlier. So if he's still knocking around at seven, then uh, then they're going to they're gonna default it in there. I, I do have a couple of players a little bit further down. It's like, oh, these guys, this guy's still on the board. I guess I gotta take him off. I think some big name might drop down a little bit because there's so much, there's so much fluidity and there's there's so much variability going on and who get who picks what and teams have specific needs. Certain players could drop down further than you think. Yeah, because like one one that I found out from doing this was that 
there was actually it was much later on that we started seeing a run on wide receivers in mind and we didn't even really like I think I've got five going in the first round I do think on the day that's the bit that we're going to see some trades happening with people moving around for them like things like I think we've all got or most of us have the Jets picking someone up later on but like I could also see them if they get an offer to like trade back and get a few more pieces they would do it speaking of wide receivers we've got a consensus pick at the next one we've all got the Falcons taking wide receiver Garrett Wilson as we said just seems to be a very good prospect big yards after the catch he would work well in their scheme particularly like they say they don't have they don't have an answer at the moment of what their quarterback is going to look like so you need a player who can kind of essentially make the make the plays happen themselves and that is Garrett Wilson like you're not you don't want a straight line speedster whenever you're unsure who's going to be throwing the football for you like Marcus Mariota is currently leader in the clubhouse Calvin Ridley with the with the year long suspension basically kills any hope that they had of, of of having any anyone outside of Kyle Pitts and yeah as you think as you said he's he will make Marcus Mariota's life easier Marcus Mariota has kind of turned into a very conservative quarterback over the years and he probably has the greatest scheme flexibility he can play in the slot he can play at X he can play at Z he can just play across the entire field so I think if you're going to make him the 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 weapon to put with Kyle Pitts and give something for the Atlanta fans to hold on to and get excited about for 2022, then Garrett Wilson, I think, is a good pick here. Nine, we have the Seahawks, and they're in the one that they got from Denver in the trade, so I have them deciding that their future rests on the shoulder of young Malik Willis. I believe, Sean, you also have him as taking the quarterback, Malik Willis, and Fitz. Given to your team, and you kind of know them a bit better, you've got them going offensive tackle here, Charles Cross. So you're happy with the current quarterback room? <laughs> I have already like pre-memory hold the 2022 season, and if, and if Drew Locke has already like played or whatever like that, like look, Malik Willis obviously has all of the exciting traits and and everything that you might want, but he's so raw, and I'm not sure that Pete Carroll has the flexibility as an old man to actually get the best out of Malik Willis compared to if he went to somewhere like Pittsburgh or or Ravens back in the day. So I've gone for the safe option, Charles Cross, build towards the future, and we'll see what's available at quarterback next year. You know, Pete Carroll is basically unassailable. He's not going to lose his job because he's already like done the one thing that you usually can't get away with. But mm. uh, yeah, like if he really wants a quarterback, then Malik Willis, I suppose, is the least uh, annoying option to take with a top 10 pick in this, in this particular draft. I mean, I do think there is, in terms of this quarterback thing, if you are going to have Drew Locke and you're kind of stuck, with, you're deciding you're going to stick with Drew Locke for the year, why not also bring in the exciting talent to just the raw talent and see what happens, right? If nothing else, it creates an interesting kind of dynamic in the QB room. You have this guy who could... It's kind of like a Justin Fields, Andy Dalton thing, except obviously the talents, the talent levels are much different and the rawness is, is much different as well. But I, I, I take your point about maybe Pete Carroll is, is... The creaking in his bones when he thinks about all the work he would have to do maybe stops him from doing this. But I, I just think there, there could be a QB run and the Seahawks could could fall into South Sea Island fever and, and try and pick one up before they, they, they lose out. I also, I've got a feeling the Seahawks might be feeling some phone calls at this point with Garrett Wilson coming off the board and the Jets coming up behind them. I think there might be one or two of the wide receiver needy teams going, oh, I wouldn't mind getting yeah. my shot at the next option. And then the Seahawks probably being able to get a similar 
another type of player, particularly even a QB further down in this draft. But we'll we'll, we'll see how that goes. For them. And the Hawks have always been very aggressive. John Schneider loves a good old trade. Number ten, we have the Jets in what was originally the Seahawks pick, I believe. I have them going wide receiver and going Jameson Williams. Uh, you have them taking Drake London and Sean. You have them going uh, Kyle Hamilton. As you were saying, that kind of pairs well with the Derek Stingley pick from earlier to kind of lock up the backfield. Whereas I'm kind of looking at it going, well, he's got his nice piece in Sauce Gardner for his defense now he needs to get some weapons to be throwing for given what they were seeing out of the young quarterback at the tail end last year I think a good kind of long straight line speed because he does have a decent arm on him uh, we saw a couple of very tasty throws at the end so I thought Williams might suit but I can see your one being the pick uh, fits I think the only reason I have, doesn't have Drake London here is that I kind of wish casting that he's going to make it all the way down to the <laughs> Chiefs because I think he actually somehow does in my one which is definitely incorrect as we said in the the prospect preview it kind of depends what kind of flavor they're looking for like Jamison Williams they don't have someone like Jamison Williams right now they have a lot of guys who work very well underneath or they have Corey Davis who is a middle of the road kind of X receiver so if you're looking for someone to pair with Braxton Berrios and Elijah Moore and Corey Davis then Jamison Williams is definitely someone who can make an immediate impact and as you say like uh, with the quarterback they haven't told who they're trying to build around he loves throwing it downfield so Jamison Williams makes a lot of sense so it's like James William is great to throw down field because obviously he's really fast and he will get lots of open coverage. Drake London is good if you want a guy that Zach Wilson can just throw it up to him in contested coverage and he can trust that that's going to become a, mm. like a 70, 30, 80, 20 ball. So it really just comes down to like, what do you want to give Zach Wilson in terms of safety? Like a guy who's going to give him free touchdown, you know, on a fairly regular basis or a guy that he can trust to just throw it up to, you know, like how Kyler Murray loves throwing it up to uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Mm. Uh, it's really, it kind of comes down to what you want as a coaching staff. I, I, you know, Sean P like Kyle Hamilton Kyle Hamilton you know safeties aren't a prestige position in terms of that but Kyle Hamilton is that once in a generation type talent that if he's falling down to this like you know number 10 position someone is going to, to jump at that and a defensive coach like Robert Salah could definitely be the kind of guy who jumps in Kyle Hamilton and chooses to put mm. him in there next up we have the Washington football team slash commanders I have them going offensive tackle with Evan Neal you have them going with Kyle Hamilton their own and as you said because if he's fallen this far someone's going to have to take him Sean you of them picking the QB of the future, Matt Corral. Yeah, it's a panic. This is a panic. This is the commanders seeing two QBs off the board and saying, oh my God, we have Carson Wentz. We have to do something. <laughs> and uh, I, I, just drafting the Q, what they think is the best QB on the board, who isn't even necessarily the best QB that's left on the board. I, yeah, I just, I, again, I think there's going to be a QB panic. Uh, and I think people are going to pick picking them up all over the place. I, I love, Sean is so meta. It's like, the commanders are so incompetent that of course they'll make a terrible pick. So I should make a bad pick for them. You know, this could be the kind of genius move that means why Sean will win the mock draft this year. Yeah. It's like, yeah, commanders... Given where they are, a quarterback definitely makes sense, but I think they have enough holes that going best player available um, would make sense for them as well. And Evan Neal and Kyle Hamilton at this point are probably the, the respective BPA at their uh, overall defense and offense uh, based on where we are in our respective mock drafts. Again, we've said it a lot of times that these like offensive tackle picks and I suppose this is my mistake, Sean, you're right. They don't make smart decisions. It's like, that's a build for the future, particularly given that they ran their like all pro tackle out of the building previously, that they need to start building that line back up again. Next up, we have the Vikings at 12. We've all kind of gone in the same direction here. We have them going defensive back just because of how it shook out because we've both got Sauce Gardner gone. We have Derek Stingley going to them. And because he's still on your board, Sean, you have Sauce Gardner going to them. I think both of these make perfect sense. This is a team that needs a little bit more firepower in that uh, in that backfield. This helps an awful lot either way. Yeah. Uh, it just it it just makes too much sense, really. 
Like the Vikings have hit and missed on a lot of quarterbacks over the last ten years, it feels like. But a new regime comes in, like they they re-sign Patrick Peterson, but you probably don't want him to be your CB two. You can avoid it. Mm. Cameron Dantzler, the current CB one, isn't really an amazing hit either. So I think if you can, if if one of these elite guys falls to you, like Stingley or Gardner, who could be dominant, then that makes sense. Especially because the offense, even though it's an offensive head coach, they obviously basically have all the pieces that are going to be the the core of that, with just Jefferson and Kirk Cousins or whatever. So I think getting that defense back up to stuff would make sense. But don't be surprised if they go for defensive linemen here. If there's a if there's one of the good options here at this point as well. We have the Texans coming up now uh, with their pick that they got from Cleveland in the quarterback trade. So obviously because he's still on my boards, I have them taking Kyle Hamilton because he's the best player available on my league. Actually, he's probably fallen too far on my board, but there was, uh, yeah, a few bits that I just couldn't couldn't have some of them skipping over certain bits. Uh, you've gone with Jermaine Johnson, the edge for them there, Fitz, and uh, you've also gone edge. You've gone Trevian Walker. This and Sauce Gardner, to a certain extent as well, has been, this player has fallen too far. He's going to be taken off the board, I think, the Texans. If Trevian Walker falls to 13, which is unlikely, but that's how it's worked out on, on my board, then the Texans, de- they have to pick him up. That's yeah. just, even the Texans can't miss that one. Well, that's it, because like, that's what I was looking at the Kyle Hamlin going, like, he's very good to be going to that team, but, like, they can't they can't not take him if he's there. <laughs> it is it is a spot where they are looking at it and they're going, like, I think both me and Fitz have been going double defense here, that, like, they're just looking to start building up a side of the ball because they just don't have any talent at any positions in the this draft. This is what I think. Sense. I think this draft is very dynamic because of all these multiple picks the teams have, because of the very, how it's also variable in terms of who actually people think is the best. It, it's such going to be an in-the-room kind of draft where the dynamic of the draft as it plays out is going to decide a lot of teams' picks. They're not going to go in with, we know this is the person that we want. They will go, we will see what's on the board and then we will pick based on that. So I think there's going to be, there's a, it could go in any number of directions. We could have a, a wide receiver run. Could have a, you could have a QB run. You could have the situation where certain players drop quite far down and teams have to pick them up. I think there is, it's going to be a very interesting draft to watch in terms of Something is going to happen to make it seem like quite a weird draft in the end in terms of where, where players ended up. Well, it's all it's all about being in the room where it happens, and I assume Hamilton will be picked here then. <laughs> Sorry, it took yes, me a second. That there. is a joke of some description, yes. Uh, <laughs> you saw the feckin' thing in I life. did, I don't remember. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. On to the Ravens. We've got, got another unanimous one here, so we have them taking the big defensive tackle, Jordan Davis. Look, just, he's very good i know it's not the sexiest of positions but he's just a very good player it makes perfect sense for the ravens to get like kind of this quality of a player at this position this late in the draft i just i think it just fits really well and will help anchor that line for them moving forward because they do have a they do have a slight problem of like they've they've got a couple of players that are getting a bit older there if i remember correctly yeah like they're they're generally a best player available team historically and yeah like they rely on Clayus campbell and Derek wolf and they they re-sign michael pierce who's a little bit younger and is a nose tackle so it's not necessarily a need and pass rusher is probably more of a need so if, if a guy becomes available like Thibodeau and Falls then maybe they go for him or a Jermaine Johnson perhaps but I think if they get to this stage and all those guys are gone and you have the big hulking future of your defensive line that's a new nose tackle for and competition for Michael Pierce, who's obviously had poor years away from Baltimore, then this makes a lot of sense. This is actually, I think, if Jordan Davis is falling this far, I think the Chargers might be a sneaky pick to try and trade up and get Jordan Davis because the way their defensive line went last year, I know they made some signings in free agency, he, I think, would be the perfect fit for the Chargers to kind of solidify that run defense and get that defense back on track. Next up, we have the Eagles. I think this is also a trade 
pick. So I have them going defensive line with Devontae Wyatt. Uh, you have them going linebacker with Devin Lloyd. And uh, so do you, Sean. So you're kind of going linebacker on that one. I'm going defensive line. These all kind of make sense. I, I, I was mostly thinking that they, you know, one of the things that was so good for them on their Super Bowl run was having that kind of deep rotational defensive line play. Maybe them trying to rebuild that. But a, like a good, solid linebacker like Devin Lloyd does make an awful lot of sense as well. Good defensive lineman becomes available. Like Devontae Wyatt might be a little bit of a reach here, but he would be solid. But if any of the elite guys fall, then definitely. But they're kind of weak at all levels of the defense. They could do it reinforcement. So I definitely could see them as a team that if one of the one of the big names from the defensive side drops on them here, that they'd be willing to make that investment here. And they could probably make do some help on the offensive line as well, to be honest. So I expect the Eagles maybe to be one of those guy teams that's training around a lot, just seeing if, if a guy falls to them that they can't afford uh, not to take. Then have the Saints, who obviously have a lot of question marks at quarterback, at wide receiver at yeah just pretty much an awful lot of an awful lot of questions at, at, at high coach i suppose as well i have them taking offensive tackle charles cross just trying to you know restart building up that line again for whoever is going to be the natural successor because i don't think they're finding that quarterback here and i think they know that uh, you have them getting a wide receiver trade on burks and sean you've also got them going wide receiver with jameson williams i think both of those make perfect sense i think the only reason that i have them going tackle here is because i have them picking up a wide receiver because they've got a, a they're another one of these teams you're mentioning, Sean, that have two picks and these picks are mm, yeah. you know, only four picks apart. So I think they look at the Chargers and the Eagles as not being teams who are going to be going wide receiver, but might be going offensive tackle. It, it, it was my logic, yeah, essentially. Yeah, I, I can see the logic of this. Um, and I also think there is a kind of a weird wide receiver thing of best available versus best fit. I think, I mean, I think Chris Olave goes off in a lot of drafts around this point. Um, and I did initially have him actually... I think I've messed with Fitz's consensus picks a bit by changing my wide receivers at a, at a late stage. <laughs> Jameson Williams maybe doesn't fit exactly into this. what the Saints may want. Olav is probably more consistent in terms of that. But again, it's the best player available. If a player like him is available around here, the Saints maybe take a move. It's also a possibility that someone kind of draft up. If there's a wide receiver kind of rush going, the Packers, for example, might try and move up here somewhere as well given they're probably going to try and draft a wide receiver as well. The problem is you get down this far in the draft, it becomes so dependent on what you've already done in your draft that it could be so widely wrong on a number of levels and you end yeah. up with some... Oh, did you? Well, that, that's why, because Charles Cross has gone a good couple of picks back for, for, for most of you guys. So I was yeah. just like, yeah, look, he has if he's down this far and the Saints will need that and if they, they, they can sort their wide receiver at the second pick, essentially. Yeah, I, I, it does depend to a large extent to whether you think Michael Thomas is ever going to come back. Like, if the team believes Michael Thomas is going to come back and be, you know, an effective wide receiver again, then obviously picking up a wide receiver here may, may make less sense than trying to uh, replace their left tackle, uh, who, who they lost in free agency. And bringing in Charles Cross or even Trevor Penning might make a lot of sense there. But I've kind of gone from the exciting pick and for a team that is trying to kind of get back on track. 17, the Chargers are up. We've got a unanimous pick here as well. As you said, I think they would be one that might look at if they can get into that kind of kind of top-end defensive tackle silence things. But at the moment, they're kind of down there. Most of those players are not available. So we've all got them going for offensive tackle Trevor Penning. Vets had a lot of resources to, to update their offensive line last year, but... It still wasn't perfect, and I think they could definitely do it replacing Storm Norton at right tackle if they can do it. And if this guy falls and he's got the right attitude and kind of you know make their offense a more aggressive unit, then it seems like a solid pick here. You know, they're a team that could definitely go in any direction at this point. As Sean says, it's kind of a crapshoot to some extent. So this agreement is kind of uh, probably us kind of following each other and trying to have some level of agreement at this point. Yeah, I think they could go defensively as well. I did initially. I think 
accidentally have Jordan Davis here, even though I had him four picks earlier as well. The Chargers can, there's, there's, there's a lot of room for improvement on the Chargers. Probably won't be Trevor Penning, but it would be very interesting if we could randomly get 17 right or later on 26, which is, which is quite an achievement. Yeah, that would be something indeed. Eagles up again. I have them double dipping on defense and taking George Kalatis, which I think it's early, but I've just, I've got, I've just got this feeling that the Eagles are going to be like, okay, we kind of know what we've got on our offense here. We need to get some defense together because like we're playing in a shit division um we were letting them put up points like if you think of how many games for the eagles were run close against teams that should not have been running them close they, they i think they slightly overreach here and they go for an edge player they they have an aging defensive line this is a this makes a lot of sense even if it feels like a little bit of a reach like honestly like we, we've talked about the double pick thing and partially that reflects being a little bit uh it's like well if i pick the wide receiver here then he'll probably end up <laughs> being picked at one of these spots right for the eagles so uh I've gone for Jamison William just because I think they, they've, they've already gone two years in a row. Why not go for the third one, right? And <laughs> yes, those, it does. <laughs> he's stacking up those Alabama guys. But like, look, I think the defense probably should be the uh, uh, should be the priority here. But I think Jamison Williams might just be too tempting uh, an option for them to, to not pick up at this point. Yeah, yeah, I've gone double defense, but I've gone secondary with the second pick. So cornerback Andrew Booth Jr. I mean, maybe it's a little bit cheeky. Maybe I was... This is a position where the Pats might try and move up to make sure the Eagles don't get this pick if the Eagles are looking at a cornerback. It's unlikely, perhaps, that Booth will go before McDuffie, but I, I think the Eagles might be in that market so that there could be a trade move there as well. If, if the Pats if the Pats are set on McDuffie, which there seems to be some consensus building around that, and I think it would be a great draft pick, maybe they try and move up. And the Eagles have already demonstrated that they're willing to to move their draft picks around. They, they had at one point, I think, three draft picks in this 15 to 18... A part of the draft anyway so they might be moved out of this spot depending on the dynamic of the situation no that makes perfect sense uh the saints second pick is up here now so me and bits have them taking chris alave who i think we kind of briefly discussed on the first pick might think would be quite a good scheme fit for them and you having them with already taking jameson williams uh earlier have them going edge and taking jermaine johnson the third Jeez, fits you're going all out you're getting them double 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 dipping or double dropping wide receivers it's kind of a meta move right like if you pick the same position twice they're almost certain and then they have a major need there then almost certainly one of these picks will be right and i can pick up half a point or whatever, <laughs> uh, for having the the player going to the right team even if it's in the uh, swap oh so it's, it's not a saints we will draft two wide receivers because one of them is bound to be good it's fits going uh they're about to draft a wide receiver somewhere so i would just have so to i get two chances two so, 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 so fits is designing some of the like consensus elements some of the scoring elements and is now just meta gaming our own mock draft situation excellent okay so we got the saints covered off there we're all the way down to 20 now and the steelers are here now the question is do they pick the quarterback of the future i say no i say they bring in offensive tackle barrett ryman here start to build a bit of a line they don't know what their answer at quarterback is going to be i just don't think that they're seeing it on the board here at this point and they're going to bring this guy in try and set up a bit more of a kind of a running environment try and get a bit of support for whoever is thrown in behind that line they watched big ben getting murdered last year behind their offensive line i think they want to try and find improvement wherever they can you guys have decided that they do like what's available in the quarterback market fitz you've gone for malik willis and sean you've gone for desmond ritter desmond ritter just feels like a steelers qb i mean solid reliable i think if the steelers hadn't had big ben for so long they definitely would have picked up alex smith at some point it's that kind of we can trust you to, to fit in the system and do the things that we want to do i just i can't see the steelers going into the start of the season with mitchell trubisky as a starting quarterback they will at least want to have multiply their options in terms of creating some sort of 
QB competition, bring in a rookie, see how that how that looks as a situation, and then kind of make a decision. The Malik Willis thing, which is an interesting pick from Fitz, I just think there's too much uncertainty. I don't think the Steelers are a too much uncertainty organization. I think they're a solid this guy is going to be reliable and we can trust him to game manage. Uh, I, I just think that's how the Steelers think and that's how they'll go. I think in the back of my head that I think that I think Jimmy G ends up on the Steelers. They might look across at their, you know, cross-division rival and go, well, we, you know, they took a toolsy quarterback who people doubted as a passer. He, they turned him into an MVP. We're the Pittsburgh Steelers. We can do just as good as them. I think Malik Willis, if he goes to an organization like the Steelers, that feels like an organization that has the coaching talent and the attitude where they can maximize him and actually use him first off as kind of like a uh, like a dual threat quarterback but could then develop his skills over time i think they've shown that they're a good organization and i think they'd be willing to take a risk on malik willis as potentially the kind of upside option that they think they need to compete with the the chiefs and bills of the world to get back on top so i, I do think that's interesting the steelers are one of the types of organizations that like i know i know that they haven't ever had the losing season thing but like the, you know the kind of feel of that they might actually just leave a mitch trubisky or someone out there if they feel that they need to develop the quarterback they draft to get them ready or whatever so like yeah i see what you mean that that could be a good spot for him if he needs a bit of work. 21 is the Patriots. We've got a unanimous pick all the way down at 21. We have Trent McDuffie going here, the cornerback. I'll let you talk about this one, Sean, because you've kind of salivating a little bit about this. You think that uh, you were talking yeah, about it in I a previous spot. Yeah, as I talked about previous spot, I think he's a perfect Pats player, competitive, aggressive, tough, a little bit undersized, so he has to fight for everything that he's got. He's great one-on-one. I think he's got all those kind of intangibles that someone like Bill Belichick looks for. Obviously, with JC Jackson gone, there's a need to, to replace uh, at cornerback. He feels the most like a Patriots player of almost every player in this first round. The, if I had to pick who's the most Pats player, I, I think it is I think it is Trent McDuffie in, in terms of that. The question, as I said, does he fall down this far? Does someone like the Eagles or some other team try and make a move for a cornerback? Do the Pats react with that? Do they have a backup plan? They might look for a wide receiver is the other option. Yeah, it just feels like a Pats pick to me. You know, the Pats are always one of those teams that you can never quite predict fully, but this seems like a solid pick. Next up, we then have the Packers. I've got them going wide receiver because, to be honest, they need it. I've got them going with George Pickens. Uh, you've got them going with Jahan Dotson. You've got them going Drake London, Sean. So we're all going wide receiver here. I think, as we said, we're just kind of seeing which one would fit the best for them. I did change. I think I initially might have had Traylon Burks here. and that. But the more you guys were talking about Drake London, I think the Packers probably will. Again, they have two picks. I think they might end up, as I have them, picking two wide receivers, one reliable and one a bit of a gamble. And obviously, Drake London falls into that gamble. And maybe he's the one they think might go first. So they, they pick him up first. But obviously, the Packers need a lot of help with wide receivers. or so they're rebuilding the wide receiver or I don't know. I don't know what the Packers are doing in regards to wide receivers, but it feels like they should be doing something about it. And Drake London could be the, the star of the future. And something exciting to keep Aaron Rodgers around for a little while. Drake London, if he falls this far, I would probably expect this pick to happen. But Pickens is an interesting case because I think he missed an entire year. But when he was playing for Georgia a couple of years ago, he probably would have been up there in the top 10. I like that type of wide receiver. So for them to go out and get George Pickens is a, you know, it's obviously a test that they think that he'll come back as strong as ever. Whereas Jahan Dotson is probably like the, the best player available who has tape from 2021. I think wide receiver 
has to be taken with at least one of these two picks. So I, I think it's just about who's available at this point and what they, what they, who's the best out of those players available. Yeah, and I think both myself and Sean have them double dipping wide receivers because like, I think we mentioned it either on the pod, I think it was on the pod earlier. Their wide receiver room is grim, so I think this makes an awful lot of sense. And you know they're loading up for the last three or four years of Rogers, so I think it's I think they'll take a couple of shots, and I imagine that they'll also might take someone further down in the draft. Twenty three is the Cardinals. You guys are in agreement that they're going edge with George Karafkis. I've got them going at center, Tyler Lindenbaum. I got a feeling they're going to look at line just given you know, how that line looked protecting Murray last year and the injuries that he had. But I can totally see them wanting to get some defensive playmakers there. And like, I think I actually have Karlaftis going earlier to the Eagles. But yeah, I think I think that makes sense to me as well. Yeah, I just think the Cardinals have, have needs uh, at edge. If someone, again, it's, it's again, someone like Karlaftis falls as far down the draft. He's, he's kind of the fifth edge behind Johnson as well. If you think about the guys going high, he is probably being maybe a little bit underappreciated because of the talent above him. So falls to twenty three. I think I think the Cardinals go well. Yeah, he's the he's the last good one available. Let's take this option rather than having to to deal with that problem some other way. Makes sense. Uh, twenty four is the Cowboys. Kind of we have the Mogman same direction. We've just got slightly different players. So me and Fitz have gone with guard Zion Johnson. You've gone with guard Kenyon Green. Yeah, look, this is a team that for a period there had an incredible offensive line they want to rebuild that back up their run game is based on it they've seen you know serious season ending injuries happen to their quarterback and stuff so they I think want to just kind of start to rebuild that and either one of these guys are kind of a very good starting point for that this for me this Kenyon Green pick is again like the commanders I'm trying to get in the mind of the, the of what the Cowboys are likely to do the Cowboys love drafting offensive linemen it's their is their big thing but also Kenyon Green is a guy from Texas he's born in Humble Texas which is just perfect name <laughs> went to high high school in in, in Texas college Texas A&M this guy is Texas through and through the Cowboys are going to go yes he's our guy he's Fits the brand perfectly of the of Texas kind of forever. hitting Texas forever kind of guy. It feels to me most like the Cowboys be like, yeah, this this is our guy because of the feel and all the rest of the analytics and stuff doesn't matter because we know who who are Cowboys and who aren't, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. For for integrity's sake, I'm not going to change this point, but Sean sounds more right than us right now. <laughs> oh, he definitely does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, at this point I think it's just a scheme fit question on the on the guards because I think we've yeah. all got them going relatively soon anyway to to, to two other teams uh, next up is the Bills I've got them taking cornerback Andrew Booth Jr you've gone running back fits with Reese Hall this is the only running back out of the three of us that have going in the first round John you've also gone with cornerback you've gone with Kair Elam on this so yeah like I completely understand the running back move I don't think there's a risk of anyone taking one ahead of them so it might be a trade back kind of situation for them here if they can get their hands on it this might be a spot where the Chiefs might try and trade up if they want to get ahead of the Packers second pick if they want to get a wide receiver that, that hasn't been picked yet or something like that this is a fantasy pick right like I'm just like if Gabriel yeah. goes to the Bills you're like rubbing your hands and everything like that and like picking up your like CB2 Andrew Boot Jr. and Kyrie Allen are both you know, highly valued guys who won't be forced to, to play in CB1s with Trey White already there. So, yeah, Brees Hall, it's kind of wish casting. Uh, I think the Bills, like, they are at that level where the team is so stacked from end to end that they don't really need to draft anyone. So why not get the mm. exciting guy and yeah, get, the, yeah. get a run game going that doesn't rely on Josh Allen putting himself at risk for half the season? 
This is the thing, like it, 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 it almost feels like I think we discussed this on previous pods about this kind of like the Bills and them kind of looking at the Chiefs and what they need to do. And like this feels like the Chiefs was it last year, or the year beforehand, picking up Clyde Edwards Hilaire that like they didn't have gaping holes and they thought that that might be the piece that would push them over. So it, it does have a bit of that feel to it. And I agree with you. I think it would be great if they did it. I'm just not sure if they would pull the trigger or not. If there's a running back goes in the first round, it will be this pick and it will be Brees Hall. The question is whether or not the Bills will do that. Or if they think maybe that they can pick him up in round two or a, a, an equivalent running mm. back further down down the line. Here is the most dangerous decision we have. We have a consensus pick at 26, which requires so many things to be correct. We have the Titans. This is their... No, yeah, it's, it's their first yeah. pick. Sorry, they've only got the one pick in the, in the first round. So we have them taking linebacker Nakobe Dean across the board here. They might be joining the wide receiver bum rush because obviously there's been some negative noises coming from yeah. the AJ Brown camp, but given all the wide receivers going elsewhere and Nakobe Dean kind of being like that one guy that evaluators and people pundits like they love the guy they think he's a real leader then they're kind of going like Tennessee don't have any obvious need across anywhere really but the Kobe Dean it's the kind of guy that I imagine Brable would like to have in his locker room and just kind of get that make sure that defense continues its upwards uh, trajectory yeah like it just feels like something that they need because their defense looked anemic throughout most of the year like they were you know, that kind of like, okay, but not quite. Particularly if you, in a league where you need to stop the other team scoring 30 because they were not putting up 30, they didn't have the kind of the difference makers, uh, particularly that linebacker core. Buccaneers up next. So me and Sean have the same idea here of stoking up the line. We've both gone for guards. We've just flip-flopped on the guards that we had for the yeah. Cowboys. So read the Cowboys' descriptions if you want to know why we think these guys are good. Fitz, you've gone on the other side of the ball. You want to add some defensive work, and you've added them Devontae Wyatt, the defensive lineman. Yeah, I think he, he should thrive in a system where they have Vita Vea kind of as the uh, dominant uh, nose tackle. So that Devontae Wyatt can then be the one kind of picking and choosing. And they may want to move beyond kind of having the veteran like Sue in there every year. But I think guard, you know, with the guard retiring, Ali Marpet, that's also a very solid pick. So, yeah, I think a Kenyon Green, if he dropped, that would be a good kick. And Zion Johnson certainly is highly rated. So I think any of these are good picks for Buccaneers. They obviously don't have too many holes, so can just kind of pick what they need at this point. And, like, obviously the pick on the guards is just because Tom's there, protect him, and for when they're building into the future, they want to have a solid line to put whoever the replacement is going to be behind him. I think that brief period of the 30-day-long retirement or whatever made them realise, oh, shit, if we don't have Tom Brady behind here, we probably need to do a little bit more to try and give someone a step up. Packers get their second pick here. Me and Sean have them taking wide receivers again. I have them going Jahan Dotson, and you have them taking Chris Olave at that point. Yeah, like, like I said, just double-dipping, try and get weapons into the house for, for Aaron Rodgers' last kind of push over the next three years or so. You've decided that they need a bit of uh, line help there and you've brought in Kenyon Green at guard. Fitz. Yeah, this is a classic dropping quite far. A good team would pick up a good player if he's still out there, mm. you know. And Packers have traditionally been a team that's happy to best player available even if it's mm. not the, necessarily the biggest need. Surely if they really want to motivate him they should take another quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's Packers there. We've got the Chiefs now have back-to-back picks at 29 and 30. So on the first pick, two analyses are interchangeable. First of all, uh, I've got them going edge, and so do you, Sean, with Boye Maffei, I think it is. And you've got them going cornerback with Andrew Booth Jr. there. Obviously, look, if he's hanging around, I think they probably do go there over Boye Maffei. I think I had him already gone at that point. Who knows who's available at this point? And obviously, we've kind of already given away all the best players, but... Not all of them. I saved one for my second pick. Well, yeah, yeah. But like... 
Andrew Booth's a solid cornerback. They, they kind of definitely could do with some help there after losing their cornerback this offseason. So, you know, it's a team that obviously has to build through the draft and obviously has multiple first-round picks here. So I think they'll be looking to get them in impact positions, which is usually wide receiver, cornerback, and the respective lines. So as I said, on the first pick we've got him going, two of us have defensive edge and one of us is cornerback. And then the second pick, we've got two wide receivers and a safety. So what we're basically seeing is like one going on on on. on both sides of the ball apart from yourself Sean who kind of sees yeah, you're not I've, you're not liking the wide receivers that are left over and you're seeing look if there's these two are here then take uh, so you have yeah, Boye Mafe yeah. and Daxton Hill the, the wide receivers are a bit as as we've seen it's variable there's a lot of good ones out there it's, it's eminently possible the Chiefs will pick up a wide receiver given that what they've lost but I do think they have needs in the secondary and Daxton Hill is kind of a combo safety cornerback he can play all over the place so quite a versatile pick and I think it's one of those things Again, it's like a best player available, but it's not quite in that he might be expected to fall this far, but he's, he's got a lot of versatility, so I think they pick him up. But I can definitely understand a wide receiver also being... I think the wide receivers are probably the hardest part of this draft to, to pick because of the various team needs and the various talent available and the, the quantity of the talent available. Any number of wide receivers could go in any number of spots. So it's very hard to know which teams will take which ones. Yeah, no, 100%. I have, I have Drake London falling this far, but I don't think that's actually going to happen anymore. So I need to probably adjust that, but I, I won't. Uh, I'll just leave this as is. Yeah, so we've got those bits, and we have the Bengals at 31. Uh, you guys have both got them going with the center, Tyler Lindenbaum. Uh, I've already had him go earlier. I've them going cornerback and Kyer Elam. I think they would like an offensive tackle if they could, or a guard. To be honest, anything on the line at this point. They have been making moves in the offseason to pick up free agents, but I also think they want to build some youth into it as well I think just on my board there was nothing really falling to them at that point I would imagine that they might be a contender for some trading but we'll see but yeah like that that makes perfect sense to me get a good young center build a relationship their quarterback uh, for the for the franchise and yeah just like kind of protect him a little bit better maybe yeah like offensive line just because that matters more, I suppose, because Joe Burrow is such an entirety of your franchise. Whereas, yeah, like a, definitely a cornerback too, to put with Awuzie, would definitely make sense as well. Mm, but we're mm. kind of going more offensive yeah. linemen. You can never have too many of those guys. So why not get the yeah. best center in the in the draft? Yeah, so these are probably the two big needs is, is some sort of offensive lineman, probably a center or a cornerback, because I don't think they can rely on it. They've re-signed Eli Apple, which, which just states the problem. Uh, in a sentence for for the Bengals at cornerback. So if there's a good corner, the problem is I think all my good cornerbacks have already been drafted at this point. So if Kyrie Lamb is available, it, it would be it would be a smart move definitely. No, nope, makes sense. And then finally, we have the Lions here. Picked this one up for LA. So I have them going wide receiver with Christian Watson. Fitz has them taking safety Daxton Hill, and you have them taking defensive tackle Devontae Wyatt. Sean. So a couple of different directions, but let's be frank, this is a team that has an awful lot of needs. They've just picked up in all of our drafts like a big important edge piece at the top of this draft so that's in place already so things like the defensive tackle to help kind of eat up blocks makes sense safety to kind of help the back end of that defense makes sense i think wide receiver just because they need to get a little bit more happening on the offense but i think that was more just an availability thing of christian watson making it down that far i thought he would probably make sense to them like any of these make sense to me it's a team that has a lot of needs and it is a defensive minded coach so you guys are probably closer than i am on that one no, I mean, they've got so many needs that the best player available is probably what they'll go for. And I think Wyatt was the best player left for me. At this point. If any of us are right on this pick, it'll be a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
to be honest, if the Lions pick at 32, I think it would be a miracle. I think they are prime for needing multiple picks. As we said, they have a lot of holes. Like um, If there's a quarterback kind of available at this point, this is the pick that people will trade into to get that 50-year option, basically. Or another yeah. position where the contract is going, like a wide receiver like Christian Watson, someone might trade in for him. Or like an edge rusher. Like anyone that you want five years, someone will probably trade into this. Yeah. It's the, it's the one thing that I actually find interesting. Of like, It's the one thing that I think might be worthwhile if someone was looking at a running back because if you can have five years and not have to give out a second contract and just kind of get five years out of them I think that would make sense if we have Brees Hall falling to here I think it would make perfect sense for someone to go right let's just get five years like you see the current kerfuffle with the Panthers and Christian McCaffrey and them trying to figure out like geez we're paying this guy a lot for <laughs> on a team that's you, not doing anything you, you would need to be guaranteed that they're a character guy that will keep playing no matter what because if they're any ego at all like they're if they know that's going to happen then they're not going to stand for it probably it's a it's a very interesting draft like as i said as we kind of said last time there's not really that kind of like top tier of guys who you just have to get at the top uh obviously uh, every draft has this huge amount of players that are kind of equally interchangeable by the time you get to trick 16 so this really is one where anything could happen on the night so but it's probably more of a draft for stocking up improving your team that one that's going to have one guy who changes the face of your franchise necessarily yeah i suppose just to, to finish up I'll, I'll give you the rundown of the consensus machine just very quickly uh, which starts at aiden hutchinson because we all agreed on that trayvon walker two of a three agreed on that so we go number two to lions texans pick evan neal because the consensus mock draft agreed with sean sauce gardner goes to the jets because the, the uh, consensus machine agrees with connor iku Conru, we all agree goes to the giants with their first pick, Panthers pick up Kenny Pickett. We all agree there. Kevin Thibodeau is given to the Giants due to the many different levels of tiebreakers. Effectively best player available at a position of need. Garrett Wilson, we're all agreeing, is going to the Falcons. And Leek Willis, you two guys agree that he's going to go to the Seahawks. Drake London, the, the, the mock draft consensus agrees with me, so he goes to the Jets with their second pick. Kyle Hamilton, uh, the mock draft uh, consensus agrees with me, so he'll be going to the Commanders. It's in our um, consensus machine. Derek Stigley is going to the Vikings because me and Connor agree that he go there. Jermaine Johnson, the Texans, because I agreed with the consensus uh, mock draft. Jordan Davis, we all agree, is going to the Ravens. Devin Lloyd, me and Sean agree, is going to the Eagles, so we'll give it to him. Jameson Williams is another consensus machine tiebreaker one. I think Sean was the one who had him there, so that's why he goes there. To the Saints. Tre- Trevor Penning, we all agree, go to the Chargers. Um, the Eagles pick up Andrew Boost due to another Sean tiebreaker and the various different things. Chris Olave going to the Saints, as me and Connor agree, goes there. Desmond Ritter, it's kind of just the machine works really hard to get him to the Steelers, uh, thanks to Sean's pick there. <laughs> Trent McDuffie, we all agree, is going to the Patriots if he gets there. Traylon Burks going to the Packers because of all the weird stuff where effectively... Uh, Traylon Burks is the highest rated receiver across all our mock drafts, effectively. Um, George Pickens, though, I think would be actually a good pick there. But anyway, for, for Connor. George Kalaftis goes to the Cardinals, because me and Sean agreed on that. Zion Johnson to the Cowboys, because me and Connor agreed. Kyrie Elam goes there, because uh, the mock draft uh, consensus agrees with Sean's pick. To the Bills. Nicobe Dean, we all agree, goes to Tennessee. Devontae Wyatt uh, goes to the Buccaneers, as me and the, cons- the consensus mock draft agree on that. Jahan Dotson goes to the Packers. Uh, once again, uh, based on uh, sorry, based on availability, I'm uh, going to Connor. 
both him and Mai, because two of us agree on that for the Chiefs, and then Christian Watson on a tiebreaker to the Chiefs as well. Bengals, two of us agree on Tyler Linderbaum. Then finally, Daxon Hill on a very complicated set of uh, tiebreakers. Remember correctly, <laughs> but uh, we'll see what comes out of this, and we'll give you all the results in our first off-season preview, which we'll probably start with the AFC East, and we'll see how we did here. And we'll go through all of the teams and all of the, the different things. But between then and now, we'll have the draft. We'll see what the last... Uh, free agency pickups are for each team. Uh, there's some that happen after this month because of uh, free agency rules and stuff like that. But yeah, this kind of is the end of the, the renewal part of the off-season and then we go into the actual, well, what are you actually going to do with what you got? It's the high exciting. point of hope for all teams after the draft. <laughs> and then it all, it's all downhill from there. No, so I was just going to say, it's a, it's a pity. I always like the... the the cutting to whoever the Raiders pick and them being as confused as all of the fans of the Raiders are at who they've picked in the first round. Yeah, that's a pity we're not going to get that one this year. They might trade back in. <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll obviously we'll get the the draft, we'll give a bit of feedback on how we did and we'll give a probably a roundup of just like anything interesting that's happened in the last couple of bits of free agency before we start into the previews. But yeah, for now, that's bye from myself, bye from Rowan, bye from Sean. <laughs>